Hey, folks, it is time to play the game. Tonight, I'm going to uh, talk about some of the things, continue on with what Angel and his guests were talking about. That was a really interesting show tonight there, Angel. Uh, who was your guest again? What was his name? Uh, we had Daniel Lewis Crumpton on the line, and we had Dylan Wade on the line. Yeah, Dylan Wade, I think that's the, yeah. uh, the last guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he he exited earlier because he uh, had to go. He has uh, he had us us at most uh, attend to, but he was on for uh, at least a good forty minutes. Right, right, right. Uh, no, yeah, like you were talking about Tesla and the Hanabu project. Right, that, that was, was Daniel. That was with, that was Daniel. Yeah, that was that was with Daniel. Yep, yep. And uh, what what I found interesting is like uh, I've I've heard the same thing about uh, Trump's uncle. I believe it was his uncle John Trump, right? Correct, uh, John Trump. Yep. Yep, yep. And uh, about Tesla when he died in the hotel that he uh, ended up living in for the last parts of his life. Did you know they took all of the, his papers, all of his designs? The government did. Yeah, that's what uh, I was getting into. John Trump was part of the government. He was one of the first uh, official uh, officers who went in and uh, collected all the paperwork, and uh, Trump, uh, President Trump himself has talked about this, that his uncle was a lot smarter than he is, and uh, he's connected to the uh, Tesla uh, papers, and he's talked a little bit about it, he's, he's very kind of candid about talking about that kind of stuff because of the implications, uh, but he is kind of like the tidbits here and there go about what his uncle might have known. And, uh, yeah, no, his uncle was right there. I mean, uh, it, it, that's what I was getting on on the show, where it's rather peculiar that John Trump was involved in the Tesla paperwork, uh, which was involved in uh, possibly uh, saucer technology that dealt with the exotic uh, back-engineered crafts. Uh, then you have, of course, the Roswell crash. You have all these things that happen afterwards. Possible actual contact made with the government with these ETs. And then now you have uh, President Donald Trump, years later, who creates, what, the Space Force? How ironic yep. is that in, in our 2020, of all things? And what about, I know you're a big Star Trek fan, what about the emblem for the Space Force? It looks identical to those little emblems on uh, Star Trek. The Trekkies, yeah, uh, yeah, it looks like, yeah. Yeah, like the communicator emblems, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was absolutely hilarious when I saw that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, there's something to that. I mean, I think everything, has, there's always a, as I tell people, there's always a root of truth to every conspiracy theory, it's up to you to find that little bit of truth that links that conspiracy theory. And uh, just like um, it's the same thing, conspiracy theory is a pejorative that the CIA ended up hanging on people. But uh, during the GFK investigations, which Robert Morningstar is probably the foremost expert that you and I both know on the JFK thing. Yeah, I would uh, say him, I, and again, I always go back to him and Bill Burns as my one or two guys. I mean, those guys yep. are loaded with knowledge when it comes to the JFK stuff. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I like Bill and Nancy, but I tend to agree more with Robert on that because uh, everybody has their little nuances. Oh, but yeah, I think yeah. He gets agree, yeah. probably closer, too. I mean, I bought a Carcano back in the day, and uh, Carcano is the rifle that Lee Harvey Oswald used. Here's, here's the funniest part about that. Um, people would always 
down talk it right and it, it was a couple years i owned it i was still in the marine corps and i i thought the same thing i'm like man these rifles shoot like crap well most americans are used to cutting the blade at the top of the rear sight okay that's the normal way that most guns are designed and i was on the rifle range and this sergeant major that was on the uh, rifle team we, we were joking around one time and i'm like yeah i got this rifle it shoots like crap and I showed him, you know, I did three rounds, and I said, see that? I'm always, you know, going a little high on it. He goes, yeah, let me see that. And he, he aims in and boom, boom, drills it. And I'm like, what's going on? He goes, where are you aiming at? And I said, at the bottom or at the top? He goes, no, 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 no. It's an Italian rifle. And he explained the difference. He said, you got to put it down in the bottom groove. And once I put it in the bottom groove, I was dinging with it. So uh, 6.5 by 51 is the Carcano. I have a 6.5 by 54 um, um, Swedish Mauser, and both of them are tack drivers. I mean, I could I could drop the wings off of a, a gnat with those damn rifles. So, but you just have to know there there is a difference in the way that you shoot a gun. You know, and, and that was something that I had to learn the hard way because two years and I don't know how many rounds I put out totally going high, um, and I didn't enjoy the rifle. I thought it was junk. I was getting ready to sell it. a matter of fact, of the day I was on the range that day just goofing around with some friends. So, yeah, it's one of those things that you just find out. But, yeah, the Carcano, uh, 6.5 millimeters, all of them, even the new Grindles, they'll all uh shoot they have the flattest trajectory out of any other uh rifle round for some reason 6.5 is just a flat shooting rifle yeah that's the one that oswald used right the same rifle supposedly yeah the carcano yeah the yeah, carcano yeah. yeah yeah what do you think of, is you know speaking of oswald what do you think of the famous picture of him in that rifle because uh that you remember, remember there's a lot of talk that that was a doctored image yeah, I, I've seen the image. I've seen a couple different images. One is definitely doctored. It's the one with the newspaper. Yes, but that's the rifle. Yeah. There's there's a picture with him and the rifle and the uh, I think it was a thirty eight or a three fifty seven Smith and Wesson K frame, if memory serves. And I, I could be wrong, so everybody out there, fact check me on the frame of it. But I believe it was a, a Smith and Wesson K frame pistol on his hip. And uh, the newspaper was added along with the, there's another one I saw. That there's like four pictures I've seen, and two of them were just the rifle and the, and the pistol on his hip. And then the other two had, one had a newspaper in his hand. I've even seen one with a cigar in his mouth. And both of those look doctored. So, you know, it is what it is. You know, I, I, they look doctored, but you got to remember, that's technology that they had where they would actually insert items into an actual physical photograph yeah people are like well they didn't have photoshop back then how can they doctor those images uh yeah it's called layering you can superimpose an image and then just do a copy of it and boom you don't need photoshop (laughs) this is pre-photoshop oh yeah they they were ingenious back in the day i mean uh laminate that's why it's a lost art i mean i remember back when i was a young kid you probably well you're a little younger than i am um, I remember driver's licenses didn't even used to be laminated when I first got mine. It was just a paper license with a picture affixed to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So that's uh, that's how fake IDs and kids going uh, drinking underage used to be so prevalent when we were well when I was young because of that kind of driver's license without even a lamination over it. So it's always fun to look back on um, things in history. I mean, there's people that. Like the the beginning of uh, well the Gulf War, there was no cell phones, uh, so we didn't have cam. I had a camera to take pictures while I was over in the Gulf, the first war, but you had to get them developed, and to avoid my pictures getting censored, I'd just send the film home to my mother, and then I got them developed when I got home. Um, the uh, beginning of the actual war in Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, you have to remember up until about 2003, cell phones didn't even have cameras in them where you could take just a picture, a still picture. And uh, so people will ask, well, why, why don't you have a lot of pictures from there? Because first off, you get sanitized. You got no pictures, your cameras on you because you're really not going to need them unless you're a photography journalist or something. And, uh, you're not carrying around extra weight and cell phones. You didn't carry one. You had a, I had a sat phone. Satellite phones were available. Uh, I had a global star, a matter of fact, but, um, you, uh, you just didn't have. Those are the, the big ass uh, satellite phones, right? They were huge, weren't they? Yeah. It's, it's a sat phone in 2001, two, three, four, and five they had like an arm that flipped up and you, if it was a cloudy day, you were screwed. You could not make a phone call, <laughs> but I got packed. Yeah. My wife thought I was in Virginia and, uh, that's how the phone call went. It patched into Virginia and over to my wife. And it was funny. One time we were in the middle of a gun battle and I called, I called up to say something about something. It was something inane to some about, telling my son good night or something i don't know and my wife's like what's that noise in the background i said oh some guys out shooting out the range it was hilarious so anyhow yeah that was, that was funny funny stories uh but yeah like i said technology changing has been a boon for everybody i mean everybody wonders why are more sightings happening i think two reasons one we've gotten better about light pollution everywhere uh in the u.s and 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 globally really i think and uh the other reason is cell phones that's my opinion that's my thoughts your thoughts on that well we talk about sightings you're talking about like extraterrestrial sightings ufo sightings yeah yeah i was i specifically said ufo yeah. sightings because of light pollution you know there's a lot of things uh, that are, are causing the uh the amount of sightings to go down um uh, you know, cell phones and videos and stuff like that, I really don't trust much because of the way technology can be easily manipulated. Um, people are still having, you know, a lot of abductions and a lot of those uh, things are still being reported. But uh, it definitely seems like it, there's been kind of a slowing down in the last few years of uh, some of the bigger sightings. I mean, but again, we're dealing with a, uh, with a, a a field ufology, if you want to call it a field, which hasn't really seen any major, um, you know, groundbreaking things happen since what the Phoenix Lights or maybe the Roswell crash, really, you know, Travis Walton, 
so we've had you know a handful of really important cases over the years, uh, but certainly nothing as uh, you know dramatic as that has happened in the last twenty years. Um, so um, you know it's one of those things where we're kind of like, well, what's next to happen? But now we can't even trust videos or, or pictures because again, any twelve-year-old in the basement could create a video. And make it seem as real as, as you know you could imagine with simple technology they could download off the internet. It doesn't even have to pay for the some of the software anymore. You can just download it, learn how to use it, and boom, next thing you know, he's creating hoaxes for like uh you know, websites on YouTube and, you know, things like that and and spreading misinformation and, and getting paid for it. Like some of these channels who create fake ufo uh, videos and get you know tons of views and next you know they're making a little uh, you know pocket change fooling the masses and you got a lot of that in the, in the world of ufology sadly enough well you know i'm a technology luddite so yeah I, I you know that from experience knowing me so i have no t- no knowledge of how to fake that kind of stuff that's never been my field but i will tell you a funny thing you brought this up to phoenix lights I was in Gowan Field. My son had just been born, and I had to go to a school. This would have been 97, 96, 97, I think, when he was born. I think it was 96. Um, but, um, yeah, it was 96, 97, somewhere around there. It was in September. Anyways, um, I was in Gowan Field, Boise, Idaho, and it was on a Sunday. I'll never forget it. And It, it had uh, Art Bell had a show on called... <clears throat> Midnight in the Desert, I think it was called, or something like that. Um, Whitney Strieber took it over. I can't remember the name of it now, the show. It wasn't Midnight in the Desert. Anyways, I was listening to it in the, in the room I was staying at on Gallon Field, and um, all of a sudden it broke in, and Art Bell went live with uh, everybody calling in about the Phoenix Lights, I think you're and talking about I'll, Dreamland, wasn't it? The name of it. What was it? Dreamland. Dreamland. That was it. Yes, Dreamland. Yeah. Yes. Because that that led yeah. to Coast to Coast, and then Midnight in the Desert came out later. But yeah, Dreamland. Yeah. yeah. Dreamland. Yeah, it was on Sunday, and I do remember that. And I'm like, wow. And it was breaking live, and then a couple days later. I think it was the mayor of Phoenix, maybe a week later, because I hadn't left uh, Gowan Field yet. Yeah, it had to have been like a week later or somewhere in there. Uh, the mayor came out with some idiot dressed in an alien suit and said, we have found the culprit or something like that. And then the uh, Phoenix, National, or, you know, Phoenix Area National Guard for the state of uh, Arizona uh, said that they were dropping flares. And then they even dropped flares later, and it looked nothing like what the Phoenix Lights looked like when I got home. By the time I got home, I remember it was on This Week or Extra or some sort of news show, and they had the pictures that people had taken off the side of the road. And you got to remember, this is still pre, real pre, it wasn't pre-internet. The internet was there and all that stuff, but it wasn't the way it is now. Yeah, this is like when AOL was the big thing and Prodigy Online were the big things. Like, this is before even MySpace. Yeah, dial-up yeah. where it would be like, you got yeah. mail. Yeah, and, <laughs> and right after that, 
And you're like, man, well, how long is this going to take? Like, I, I used to think they were, like, dialing into, like, somebody's, like, other country, like, you know, secret files. Every time I heard that, I was like, man, this is, like, some spy shit. This is great. <laughs> it, was, it was Coolio. I remember when I was uh, young, when I first got on a computer, I believe, well, I had a, uh, a Macintosh, uh, Apple Macintosh. It had two, I had to get an extra, we're talking about the, I think they were six by six or eight by eights floppy. They were actually floppy disc. That's where, where that term came from. Oh yeah. Uh, before they had CDs and DVDs. And, uh, <laughs> I remember they, uh, those well, uh, <laughs> I remember those well, the big old floppies. Yeah. They can hold yeah, like one, yeah. one mega, they had like one megabyte or two megabyte floppies. And you're like, yeah, the two megabyte. You were always having to fl- <laughs> Uh, change them out too, and and so that's why I had to get an extra one so you could put the new one in because it's getting ready to load that one up. But I, uh, before that, I remember uh, I had a realistic uh, Radio Shack. I think it was a two four twenty four hundred something like that, and it was just like um, oh, what was the first video game I played? I'm trying to think of it. It was a uh, uh, it was basically tennis. You could play. Um, uh, you just plugged it into your TV, man. Uh, you played tennis on it, or where you hit against the wall. That game. And Pong? Was it games. Pong? Pong! That was it. Pong. Man, I was such a yeah. nerd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, but my video game is funny. My uh, son and I, we were joking around one time. And then when I was out in uh, Afghanistan on, on Combat Outpost Telecon and Kandar uh province never forget this these oda guys were playing some sort of video game where they're on a ship shooting each other and shit but it's like you're actually looking like you're the guy looking out of the gun or something so uh i'm not getting into the full story but i'll just drop this in because it was hilarious that he gives me the the fucking uh joystick or it's not a joystick now it's like got little buttons on it and stuff but uh and a little joystick on it that you use with your thumb somehow anyways i he gives that'll me be a, a thumbstick yeah i don't <laughs> i don't know anyways, so all i know is i spun around in a circle looking up at the sky brother and uh all of a sudden uh i get shot and die quickly i mean like 15 seconds into the game and i just threw it back to him and he goes well you gotta play to get good at it and i said well we can compare uh you know, lifetime kills anytime you want. And everybody looked and laughed and said, okay, yeah, that's fine. But, uh, anywho, the, the funny thing is though, with that is technology has changed in a blink of an eye. I'm what going on 50, 50 well, I'll be 52. So yeah, you're what? Almost yeah. 10 years exactly ahead of me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 42. I'm going to be 43 in December. Yeah, I'm in November, so, yeah. Yeah, you're right so there. But 10 years ahead. Amazing. I'm Scorpio. But anyways, no, the... Uh, uh, I'm Capricornio. Yeah, Capricornio. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, no, that's some fun stuff. Just thinking about that, I, it's funny where conversations go. You never know where they're going to lead. And it's... uh. 
but yeah, I think it dovetails into what you what we were just talking about into conspiracies because there is something about um, you know there are legitimate conspiracies out there and and I used to tell people I don't know how conspiracy theories became so derogatory and I'll tell you why I say this you know as a as a cop when I was an investigator um I I noticed something that uh everybody has a working you know thought on how something happened and that's a theory you know you have this theory and it could be wrong it could be right you got to be open to being wrong that's just the normalcy of it but um you you have to have a working theory and if there's Two people that get together, like let's say me and you, Angel, we're going to conspire on something. I'm going to tell you what we're going to conspire on. I'm going to bring some bread, some mustard, and some lettuce, brother. Can you bring some meat and cheese, and we're going to build ourselves a sandwich, right? Uh, yeah. Can you do that? Of course. Well, mm-hmm. you've agreed to bring the, the, the meat and the cheese, so we're going to get together. And, oh, I know. We'll get some whatever cheese you like, but I like the cheddar. Anyway, so give daddy some cheddar. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the, the point I like is, the mozzarella. Oh, mozzarella is nice. Yeah. <laughs> then we're going to have to bring, I, I, I'll tell you what, then with that meat, you have to bring in some salami. So there we go. We got a nice Ouch. sandwich getting built. But see, that that's, that is two people getting together to conspire to build a sandwich. Now, once we get together and we do the act of building the sandwich, well, we've just completed that conspiracy. And the conspiracy theory would be that somebody guessed that I had the meat and the cheese and you had the bread and somebody else had the vegetable and somebody else brought But it doesn't matter how many people. That's a conspiracy. And so this other person comes up with a conspiracy that you and I built a sandwich. And we even got together and completed that act. And there's physical evidence from the wrappers that we both threw that sandwich away after we cut it in two, the knife's there, fingerprints on it. So somebody will say, well, Angel and Chef built a sandwich. Yeah, we built a sandwich. But see, if it's somebody, that, just some amateur person, they're, they're saying a theory. Angel and Kaiser got together and they built a sandwich. That's their theory. See, that's not derogatory. And a cop having a working theory is no different than a conspiracy theory when it involves two or more people. And that that's the whole funny point that I get around this wordplay when people think about it because any investigator, any intelligence operator, what they're doing is they're working off a working theory. And you have to be open to it being right or wrong. And uh, it just takes experience, time. And some knowledge, you know, there, there's there's who, what, where, when, why, and how. Okay, that's that's the things you have to worry about. Now, the who, you may not know about initially or you may. The what's always going to be relevant. You know, a knife wound, gunshot wound, um, something else. There, there's going to be a what is going to, or a bashing, you know, they were hit with a blunt object or a sharp object. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna know there was a what. You may or may not find the object there, but you're gonna know something about and now where. Uh, you may not know where because maybe they dropped the item, the body, the whatever somewhere. 
So you may not know exactly where it first started. That may be a secondary or tertiary scene. And then the when, you may have a approximate TOD or approximate time that you can gather from it, you know, temperature, different things. Uh, the, the, uh, we went, we went to who, what, where, the when, now the why, you may never know the why. That person who did it may never tell you why. You can always have a theory as to why. You know, a lover's chat or a lover's spat or uh, um, an old grudge or somebody with ill feelings, politically motivated. You may never know the why on something. And then the how, that comes in with the uh, what. You know, how did it happen? Blunt object? Was it a uh, bat? Was it uh, a candlestick? You know, was it a uh, bullet, a knife, a rope, a chain? You know, you may get ligature marks. So, and tool marks, that's another shady bit of just something for your people to know. That's like what we used to call woogie woogie shit. Just like if you're trying to get, um, if an explosion comes in from a rocket or something, you try to get directional information by looking at the crater and you try to look at if there's uh bits of the rocket still in the ground you try to look directionally at how the the earth bends up and how it flattens out that can give you indications but that's still wooji um or going along the same thing you have to think about how things are laid at the area. But like I said, that can even be spoofed. So you always have to be jaundiced at everything that you look at. And I think that's something that when you were talking, that's why I said it's funny where conversations go, because when you were talking about the faking that you see on the Internet now, um, because I guess the ease of it, you said there's programs people can upload or whatever. Uh, I, you know, that was never, no, no, download, download the other way, upload okay. is, you know, yeah, download. Okay. So downloads, I stand corrected. <laughs> like I said, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, uh, you were uh, close. You're just you're going the other way. You were dyslexic about your language. That's all. I, I'm a computer Luddite. Uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, the funny thing is though, I mean, if you think about it, um, that's kind of the same thing. You know, you have to look at a jaundiced eye, I think, with everything. I think you, Robert, uh, several other people that we both know are really good at discerning that kind of stuff. I try to tend to stay away from that kind of stuff because that's not my expertise. But I do look at things with the actual schooling in mind, uh, you know, of somebody that discerns fact from fiction. And and I, I have figured out a long time ago from seeing different things and what all, all too, in my own life, that there is something as a fact, you know. But evidentiary, I know there's one thing that evidentiary, I have none of the evidence anymore, you know. Um, it, it is amazing, though, that, you know, you can have a story and talk. It's just like the ghost story I talked about on Okinawa, Japan. 
You think I had a, a camera with me when I'm running after that misty guy or whatever? No, hell no, I didn't. You know, that was just me being, wow, what the hell is that? And, uh, but I know it happened, but do I have evidence of it? Nah, just my memory. And, um, and the two guys, and I don't even remember their names anymore. And, uh, it was, um, Gunnery Sergeant Hooper, who was the, uh, Gunnery Sergeant that showed up that laughed and said, yeah, uh, that's why we sent you out on this call. Cause this is common afterwards because i was like wow it was cool <laughs> you know and, and that poor black dude looked like ash gray he was so scared and the other white guy was just like no blood in his body he looked like dracula drained of all of his drained him of all of his blood and both of them scared to death and i'm like amped and jacked and <laughs> it was funny i'm on the radio and gunny comes rolling up and i was like gunny you're not gonna believe he goes yeah i believe it he goes that we sent you out here so you could see this. This is a common thing. Don't worry about it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then, you know, the sergeant of the guard switched those two out for two new guards. So it was just something interesting. But, you know, do I have any evidence or pictures? Nah. Just a funny story. That's kind of the way that works sometimes. Well, yeah, it's like uh, everything that we talk about when it comes to like religion or UFOs or anything is based on faith on the person that's giving you the information. Um, I'm, you know, in the same boat. Uh, I actually, uh, when I moved here to Florida, for example, um, we lived in a house that was legit haunted. Can I show you any right. proof of that? No, because that happened when I was a kid. But when I was there, I saw keys move on their own. Uh, from one end of the table to another, and then stop, and then fall over with nobody touching them. Like, literally, it went from one end of the table all the way to the other end of the table, stopped at the very edge for a few seconds, and then popped and fell over with nobody touching them. With my mother, with her back turned to me because she was actually cooking dinner. And I was sitting at the table, and I saw this, and and I, I freaked out. I was just like, you know, in one of those moments where you just freeze, you don't know what the hell's going on. Um, and I was a kid. I didn't know what ghosts were or aliens or any of this stuff. I just thought I saw this move, and I was like, oh, my God. My mother jumps and turns around when she hears the keys that hit the floor. And she's like, why are you dropping my keys today in Spanish? She's yelling at me, why are you throwing my keys on the floor? You're going to break it because she had like a little thing ornament on the keys. Right. And, um, and she's like, you're going to break my, uh, it's like a little flower thing or whatever. She says, you're going to break that ornament on my keys. And uh, stop, you know, throw my keys on the And I was like, I didn't throw your keys on the floor, Mom. And she's like, oh, they don't throw themselves on the floor. And I'm like, that's kind of exactly what happened. <laughs> and, you know, it, but she was, you know, she hadn't seen anything at that point yet. Um, and then this was like early into us moving into this place. And uh, funny enough, uh, it, you know, when uh, it really started getting bad is my brother started getting like things happen to him. And, uh, you know, he started telling my mom, and then she finally started seeing things. And my dad was the only one that was like, I, I have no idea what these people are talking about. They're all crazy because he hadn't seen anything. Like, right. he hadn't seen anything happen at all. And then one day he started seeing some things happen. Like, the, the TV was not plugged, but yet it kept turning on. Wow. And that happened to him twice. And it wasn't, like, showing any, like, any TV show. And it was just like the, you know, like this little snow. Shh. 
yeah. and uh, the static. And that happened to him twice, and he flipped out. He's like, oh, okay, I'm starting to believe this. And then lights would turn on and off, and it would happen when he was around. We lasted only a few months in that place, and we we got the hell out of We left the furniture there. That's how scared we were. We didn't get anything. We just took our a couple of things, and we, like, we bounced. Um, funny enough, when we first moved in, the neighbors were moving out. And uh, they were American, and my dad asked him, you know, why, you know, why are you leaving? It's this, you know, a great location. There's a school right, right around the corner. Church is right there. Uh, like really, really, at the end of the block, there was a church. That's how you know, like it was a very family-friendly place. And the guy is in the, the most broken Spanish I can remember. He said, "Oh, you'll find out." And uh, oh. he, just, yeah, that's all he said. We never actually got to meet them or anything. Um, or interact with them more than that. It was like a, like a five minute thing. They were walking out, we were walking in until you, and now it wasn't the same exact place. This is a duplex home. It was a huge home. It was a, a duplex and then the back had a little separate house in the same, right. um, in the same plot. And we were moving into the main house and they were moving out of the second part of the duplex. And the only thing he said was, tu verás, which means you'll find out. And he said it in very broken Spanish, and he left. And uh, we never saw him again. And the first week, nothing. Second week, nothing. Third week, stuff started happening. I was the first one that was saw that stuff. The keys? the keys was one of the first incidents. I had something happen earlier, but I didn't really recognize it, and I didn't really like, put two and two together, but I saw shadows in the room. Uh, moving in and out of the walls, and I was like, well, I don't know what that could be. Maybe it's from outside, because we had a huge window. And, I, and again, I didn't know what ghosts were, you know, so I didn't put two and right. two together. Uh, but I saw a bunch of shadows all over the place uh, in the house. I saw the keys uh, incident. I had the TV stuff happen to me as well. I heard voices. I, I saw a little girl appear from one end of the room and disappear going into a closet. I saw that with my own eyes. Can I prove any of that? Sadly, no. It's my word against everybody else who wants to maybe besmirch and say, hey, you're a liar. Uh, no, I saw it with my own eyes, but again, it's like we were talking about earlier, it's, you know, my word against whoever the one is to doubt what I'm saying. It's my experience, and we all have that experience. Uh, now, the funny thing is about this, Kaiser, uh, this home is still there. Right. I worked at one of my last jobs about five minutes away from this place, and uh, I would routinely go by with my car when I was at lunch and take video of it. So I have pictures and video of the actual house. Yeah, it looks exactly the same. It's a yellow house. Uh, you can see the duplex, the same exact structure. Like, they haven't changed anything. I even thought about taking a, a ghost crew out there, like with uh, Paul Dale Roberts and some of these folks, and see if they could do, like, an investigation, because that place was legit haunted. And here's the the kicker. In the 70s, before they turned it into a house, it used to be a funeral home. Oh, wow. Yeah, I and it was... It was a huge funeral home. They had an arrangement for the bodies dropped into the house next door, which was separate. And then they would take the bodies into the funeral home and prep them, which was the main two buildings, 
keep right. some of the ones that they were like burning because they actually have a, they had an oven at the yeah. time they were burned bodies yeah. Yeah. and they'll keep them in the huge cabinets which they never took the cabinets down the kitchen cabinets for both duplexes were cabinets used to keep the urns I'm not even kidding and uh, we found that out later when we got full disclosure on what was happening there by the owner of the property now the church down the block that's where they had a lot of like the uh, funeral uh, stuff with the families, the, ga- the gatherings and stuff afterwards. Uh, they would go there and they would sometimes take the bodies and view them there. So that's why they had that place there right next to the church. Well, you know, you want to hear a funny thing. It's funny you mentioned it that way. A block from my house, uh, we're talking the next block at the very end of the block, not my end, but further away. Is the funeral home. That's where all my arrangements are made. So when I croak out, I'll get burned up there, but they'll push me on a rickety cart over to my living room for everybody to spill beer and tell lies and laugh (laughs) at my dead body. And uh, then they'll push me back and burn me up. But right across the street from it, it's still that same block area, but it's like beginning another block right across the street, is a uh, mason's home you know uh, um what do you call it where masons meet masons and yeah like a lodge yeah, yeah it's a lodge. Lodge. that's what it yeah, is yeah. A lodge. yeah we have that actually it's funny we have uh where i'm staying now there's a masonry lodge about four minutes away and a couple blocks down and there's a funeral home about two minutes away also so very close to what you're talking about and yeah this, uh, and this is a different location from the house i used to live in in the 80s Oh, no, I, I believe you. I'm just saying it, it's funny. Every time I've told told that story, most people will say I'm finding one common link. Mason's buildings are usually near a funeral home. I don't know if that's accidental. Like uh, yep. my my uncle, when he, was, uh, when he died, uh, Masons have a whole little ceremony they do for a fellow Mason, brother Mason who dies. They wear the yeah. little apron. Mm-hmm. And all their little tools are fixed that they've earned or whatever. And uh, so it's a whole little ceremony they do. And, of course, there's a part of the ceremony that's secret. And they do that ceremony. Who knows what they do? And uh, Well, have you ever seen the movie Phantasm? No, never seen Phantasm. No. I was still okay. a young kid when that came out. That was like late 70s, early 80s, if memory Yes. Is. Don Cascarelli was the uh, filmmaker. He's still alive, thank God. He's a great filmmaker. Um, Phantasm dealt with uh, a funeral home. They had a, a guy who's uh, the tall guy with the white hair. And uh, this tall guy was actually from another dimension. And what he would do is he would take the bodies of the dead and he would supply them to the beings of the other dimension as a source of, like, fuel, I guess. Uh, so basically, when the burial happened and the people went home or whatever, uh, they would, you know, take the bodies out of the ground and, and they would store them and send them over to this other portal, which sent them to their dimension. And anybody who came in snooping, uh, the one way they would dispose of those people who came in trying to, like, figure out what was going on, uh, they had these uh, balls, or like silver balls that had spikes on them and all kinds of gadgets, would, would chase you, like, you know, they'll fly after you and they'll, like, they'll kill you. And, uh, you know, they'll suck the blood out of, the blood out of your body and, uh, you know, they'll take your body and use it for their fuel. Uh, this was the the premise of the movie. Brilliant pre- uh, premise. Uh, when I saw that, I was like, hmm, 
I wonder why there is always a funeral home near a masonry. I actually wonder that also. And also, they're always connected to, you know, all these other places that have very uh, cryptic and, and really weird symbology to them, which leads you to think that maybe there's something in that movie that uh, is kind of like telling us, the uh, watchers, that uh, this is might, be, might be what's happening and it's right under our noses. Yeah, it's an interesting premise. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, what's the old adage? Who will watch the Watchmen? Um, yeah. It's kind of one of those things. I always say I am and I do. Um, but Watch uh, that movie, dude. You have to, it's a great movie. I will. Fantastic I'll check it out. I, I remember as a kid when I saw it on the, on the... I've never been... Well, you already know this. I, two sci-fis I'm interested in have only been like Star Trek and Star Wars. That was just... You know, I'm, I, you know, I went through a phase. I think I was 14 at the time, where I liked horror films, and yeah. and uh, it was like when Jamie Lee Curtis was out. I I saw Terror Train and mm. uh, some of those type of slasher movies. Yeah, and then I I you know I decided and knew what I wanted to do with my life, and I thought I better not put all this junk in my head because I'll probably see worse than that when I'm older. <laughs> and 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 I was right, you know. So yeah. I, I didn't need that junk in my head. You know, I don't know too many people that's been to a, a mass grave, and in Wasit Province, you know, I went and helped you know investigate a mass grave. So. Um, one of Saddam's mass graves where he just bulldozed bodies into it mm. in, in Iraq. So um, That's a sight for sore eyes. Now that open your your mind a little bit. Oh, well, yeah. Like that. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's not even, you know, everybody talks smack. That's why it makes me sick with these boogaloos, and I, I call it the sticky wet masturbational rev- revolutionary fantasy that these morons have, both on the left and the right. Yep. And the in-betweens, because oh, yeah. it's, it's not until you've actually seen what war does that you know, you don't, and seen how a civil war actually is. And, you know, everybody jokes around about this, that, and the other, but the thing is, there are realities to it. You know, I, 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 I say this all the time. If you want to know what civil war looks like, it's a war at doorbell level. And what that means is... Um, like we said in Afghanistan, when we leave, there'll be the retribution killings that'll happen. And literally, they'll, and do, they even do it now, even though it's somewhat stable, both in Iraq and Afghanistan, where just, and it's normal everyday shit. Nobody really worries about it. All of a sudden, a bomb goes off and blows somebody's house down. You know, it's like, boom, oh, well, it wasn't us. You know, a bunch of people get killed. Um, you know, people get shot. It's not what these people dream. It's not like it's not like North versus South. People aren't yeah. lining up and shooting at each other. No, they're going to people's homes. And that's the thing I think a lot of these people don't realize is idiots will show up at your house. And you brought it up, too, with the McCloskeys. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's for them being prosecuted is, well, the governor already said he would you know, get rid of their sentences if they get, you know, they, they have to go through yeah. court for to be able to do it. But um, the fact they got charged at all is ridiculous. Yeah, it's an abomination because yeah. they have castle doctrine. And once they breach that gate, it is private property. Yep. They are now within their castle. 
and the and, and by the way, their guns are all legit, legal, and they have you know permits. Hmm. No, I know that, but even if they so, didn't, yeah, even if they didn't, as long as they're not illegally, you know, illegal guns, mm-hmm. and as long as they're not uh, um, what do you call it, uh, felons or carrying under disability, drunk or something, right? Uh, there's nothing they can do to them. Because they were in defense of their own home, they didn't even end up shooting anybody. That's the crazy part. Like, if you if you say, well, at least you know they killed a couple of people, but they shot nobody. They shot nobody. The only thing they did was uh, laze people with their barrels. I.e., yeah. the barrels may have been pointed at people, but it, that even matters not because their hand finger. Well, except for the female. She was the only one who had her finger on the trigger. Very poor finger discipline, but he kept his finger off the trigger. Oh, she was uh, funny. She was like posing with the gun up at one point, like with her hand on the on her hip, and she was like taking the James Bond pose, which I've seen a few memes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which is pretty funny. But I mean, these two—they were lawyers and they were Democrats. That's the funny part. I know. And now they're Trump voters. That's yeah. the hilarious part. They just. <laughs> And they've they've done that to a lot of people. That's why all these people are worried about this election. Now, I'm worried because I know there'll be more fuckery. Look, the only reason Hillary lost was they didn't cheat enough. I will not be surprised if 5% of the people in that county voted. Well, how can over 100 pe- 100% vote? Well, it's because of the fuckery. And with this mass mailing, I'm sure that's about to happen. You know what I'm saying? That's the whole purpose. That's what I was talking about with uh, ballot harvesting. Um, Tulsi Gubbard, and uh, and I mean, she made a, a great uh, case for it. Ted Cruz also talked about it. And, uh, you know, this is stuff that really is scary because at this point, they can do whatever they want. Uh, they can manipulate this. I mean, if you have the right folks involved, and of course, you know, we saw what happened with the uh, whole uh, USPS and uh, the, you know, the talk about whether they're going to get funding or not, or if they even needed funding because they're, you know, already going under before any of this happened. They're already having financial issues. Uh, so they made, uh, they, they weaponized that already. So now if you have the right people in there, which, by the way, a uh, heavy amount of people that work at the USPS are Democrats oh, and yeah. are African American. Uh, that's a major part of the population that works there. And uh, if you have people that hate the right, hate Trump or hate Republicans or have an agenda and you and you allow this kind of uh, universal mailing and they have their own proper agendas, you don't need to have somebody tell them to do it. Some of these people are just going to do, the, do it themselves now that they know that this is out there and that this is something that people are going to partake in. So it's not like we're saying, oh, well, you know, this is just one person orchestrating. No, this could be just they put the seed out there. They feed the people that are involved in these places. They weaponize it by the stuff they've done. And now those same people that are in there saying, you know what? We're going to do exactly what they're saying on the news that's going to happen. And now they make it happen. And that part is, that is part of the, the plan 
with the uh, the left and what why they've made a big deal about this because even like the postmaster said oh they were taking out the mailboxes before any of this stuff I mean they were like doing that because there was too many of them they're not being used properly and a lot of them right. are like not working right and they do that every once in a while they fix them and put new ones up or they put they fix them up and they put the, you know, the ones fixed up uh, back out there and stuff but I mean none of that was you know happening for any sinister reason but the left what they do they made it sinister they weaponized it it made it worse oh yeah that's a fact i mean i I, i'll never forget this is just in ohio uh under the second election of uh obama um there was a black lady in cincinnati she voted 12 times i mean she went to court over it uh they confirmed (laughs) it you know Yeah. yeah uh columbus had a few people that did it um, I can't remember if they were black, white, or Asian. It matters not. But I just remember that was the only case I heard of that would made the, the big news because twelve times voting that's that's pretty brazen. And uh, like she voted, yeah, that's like one of those that I like. I just don't give a fuck. I'm just gonna keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, do, then, do you think they're working? They're voting well for like the major league baseball all star team. Like, what the hell do you think they're voting on? Like, seriously. I know in Cleveland they had a few people that did it up there too, so all the big cities are rife with that, and that's why you end up with shit mayors in all these big cities because they do mobilize. You know, community organizing means something. It means getting out to vote, and that means vote off. You know, the old adage: vote early, vote often. You know that that it's a joke to people on the, on the uh, our side of the ticket. But, uh, and I mean, you know, capital R, not R-O-U-R, side of the ticket, uh, on the right side. And on the left side, even normal lefties, you know, that's not a joke to them. You know, the vote early, vote often. That means, you know, and, and that's like early voting. That's a boon for them. Early voting is rife with fraud. Because you can go to this precinct this day, go to this precinct the next day. They organize that crap. I, I remember uh, the first election of uh, of uh, Obama. They had um, where my buddy, who I've interviewed on your show, where his warehouse is. The guy who owns it has another part of that warehouse. It's like a, a office building. And uh, they had all these rental cars and they had vans. And they were just always bringing people in there. They were leaving with papers to go pick people up and to go. uh, Those papers could have been names that people could use to vote on. Who knows what the paperwork was. But I do know that like I after my mother and uh, my stepfather died, I just had a curiosity because I'd switched already to be voting over here. And I got some letter from somewhere saying, that I voted two places and I contacted them and I'm like, no, I haven't voted there for ever. And they're like, well, somebody voted in your name down here in my old area. And I said, well, it wasn't me. And I said, just out of curiosity. And I said, I gave them my mother and my stepfather's name. And I said, have they voted? Oh yeah, they've been voting. I said, they've been dead for, it was, uh, it was after 08. Yeah. Because they died in 06. They voted in uh, 06 and both of them were dead before the vote. That was the, uh, um, like, local elections and crap. 
the off-year election, and then 08 happened. Right. And uh, I was like, oh, really? And that's when I got alerted to it. And I said, no, they're dead, and they took them off the rolls. So the dead do vote. That's why that meme that went out that said uh, uh, it was uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, where she says, I'm going to vote by mail. Yeah. I don't doubt she will. I don't doubt she will. Yeah. Probably every state she lives in. Oh, yeah. Somebody will vote for her. It, it, There was a meme, uh, I think, I don't know if it's the same one, but uh, uh, about over her dead body. That Trump was going to be reelected over her dead body. <laughs> well, <laughs> kind of. Well, well, I remember the day before Trump got elected, um, Janet I mean, Reno. is it too early to make fun of it yet or not? I don't know. Maybe it's too early. No, no, no. No, it's, <laughs> no, it's hilarious because I remember the day uh, before Trump got elected, Janet Reno made the comment, and then she ended up dying, that, or it was close to that election cycle. She said, Trump will be elected over my dead body or something like that. <laughs> and she died the day before he got elected. Yeah, November the 9th. I'll never forget that because that's my birthday, and it was the best birthday gift I ever got watching the liberal <laughs> tears flow. I was like, oh, I just had the best birthday gift of my life watching these fucking people cry over fucking an election. It's fucking ridiculous. But, yeah, no, man, like I said, um, it's just funny, man. I mean, we get into the supernatural, and actually that's kind of supernatural what we were talking about, this voter fraud, because it seems like, that's something that is a common religious technique of the left. And I, I do say it's a religious te- technique. It's like a sacrament to them that they have to, I, I don't know, they want to get their agenda so done so much that it's all-encompassing. And, you know, the parts of the right can be the same way, but usually it's not as ridiculous and stupid. I mean, I, we both met people on the right that are morons, but... You know, it's a little less than, and I don't think I've ever seen somebody on the right cry over a goddamn election. That makes absolutely no sense. Um, that, and I've never seen somebody cry over uh, people drinking out of uh, toilets uh, when it, that wasn't even real. Until what happened? AOC. What? You what? didn't hear about that? No, I, I guess I'm not tracking. <laughs> AOC went over to the uh, border uh, a while back, and uh, she said that uh, she was crying on video, saying that she uh, saw uh, families and kids and whatnot, and they were in cages, and they were drinking water out of the toilets. Oh, I bet I know what that is, then. I bet I can tell you what that is without even knowing. Uh, in some of the detention facilities... Uh-huh. They they have one freshwater pipe that feeds everything going into like the cell, right? Right. So like way, way above where like the, there's like a sink area, but it's up above the toilet. If you understand yep. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you're you're and, on you're on, mon- you're on the money. Yeah. Okay. So that's exactly what she's talking about. That's you're not drinking out of the, that. You're not even <laughs> drinking out of the toilet bowl. It's just a fresh water feed. That makes no this, sense. She this is how stupid she is. She got reelected. She got elected. This this woman's a retard. And she literally was on video crying about that. And I'm like, are you serious? And then she's talking about how Trump puts these people in cages. And she fails to mention that they were actually built by Obama's administration. Oh, well, yeah. The, all that stuff 
all the well not all the new inf- all, all the new new infrastructure but he did you know everybody can say a lot he he of course let the people flow in like it was cool he 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 throttled it by dicking with the port security directors and they all were very liberal and they yep. were allowing free entry and exit and stuff i mean we basically had open borders but he did put in new facilities cuz you know, I, I worked for Immigration and Customs, and uh, I'll tell you, he did put in a lot of different facilities. He spent a lot of money, but it was for government jobs. And the reason right. why, his philosophy, and I think a lot of people on the left, is they want to grow government jobs because then you get put in, like with uh, um Immigration and Customs, our, our uh, union was NTEU, National mm-hmm. Treasury Employees Union. And uh, so, you know, you're in a union, so he thinks you're in a block, a voting block for him. And uh, even though, you know, the people who are gun carriers, for the most part, weren't going to vote left wing because they're usually military. Even if they've got college, their shit's together. And then, of course, you have the... Uh, people that only have college degrees and have never had another job, and that's usually the kind of people that you'll see that are real staunch liberals normally. But, yeah, usually with gun carriers, you're not going to find, except for if you go to a couple agencies like the CIA and Department of State, that's heavily infected with left-wingers. But, um, you know, you'll work around the FBI, too, for the most part, because just because of different things. But it, like I said, it's agency dependent. But for the most part, gun carriers, they're not uh, they're not uh, going to be left-wing just because they see in reality somewhere in their life. Yeah, makes that's sense. Been a, yeah. That's been a wild talk. Uh, we've went a lot of different places in this conversation. Wow. All over the place, yep. We did. I liked it. We we sort of covered the map. And next week, hopefully, I'll have a good guest. But you're the best guest I could have on because we always laugh and joke too much. I like it. Makes the time go. I'm going to show you some uh, some photos later of that house so you can check it out. The uh, the one I used to live in. Creepy place, man. Cool. Cool. And you know what's funny? I had a... Um, Years ago, when my mom was still alive back in 2014, 15, or now, I want to say, uh, we had a get-together here at the house, well, at my old house now, I sold the tents, um, and it was, you know, the family, just uh, my brother, sister, you know, bro- the kids, you know, stuff like that, and um, I brought it up kind of like in, you know, in jest to see if they would talk about it. And uh, I was lucky enough to be recording it on my phone and recorded the conversation in Spanish. Uh, but, yeah, you can see in the conversation my mom talking about it, my brother talking about it. And anybody who doubts the story, I play that for them. And I'm like, by the way, she's passed away. You want to go ahead and uh, try to, like, you know, besmirch her information? Wow. Yeah. Because she's on video talking about it, and she's dead now. You can't really, like... Go and and you know try to destroy her facts, basically right. because you know this is something that she wasn't like prepped or prepared. This is just a random topic that I threw out there, and my brother was even like, 
shaky when he was talking about it because he had a couple of different things that were pretty weird that happened. In fact, he was one of the first ones that refused to go back in. Wow. Yeah. And uh, my mom, uh, yeah, she was she was pretty candid about it. They didn't like really talking about it much because, you know, it scares them uh, with their religious beliefs, you know. Uh, but I was lucky enough to be able to record it on video, and I have that still in my uh, possession. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got religious beliefs, but that's that doesn't scare me. I, as I told somebody one time, um, I'm like, I came to terms with my demise in the first Gulf War, and that was 1990, August 7th, when I was heading over there, and I figured, well, I'll be right with God or I won't, but I'm gonna go somewhere at some point. And, uh, anywho, so that's why I, I've never really, that, that just never, uh, dying doesn't matter to me and nor do the dead. I just look at them because it's a, it's a body. It's not that person anymore. That person's gone. That's just the container of that person. You know, their souls in heaven, you know, you have to, you have to have that faith or, you know, I do at least. I have that faith, but it's not. I'm not also not trying to preach or proselytize. So please don't take that from me. I'm just saying how I deal with it, because you know, you, there comes a point when you gotta, especially in a mass grave, where you gotta quit looking at these as people and just look at yeah. them as like cattle or something, and just be like, or to just overload your mind. That's all I can yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah, you got to desensitize uh, yourself from like the fact that these are somebody's kids and family members, and and look at it for what it is. These are just uh, numbers at that point because you're looking at something that's beyond your imagination of how horrific uh, it is if you start like contemplating the human life uh, when you're in that kind of like a war zone situation. It's a completely different animal. Not everybody's built for that. Every life is precious, and that's my belief, and always has yeah. been. But it, it's one of those things that you just, your mind can only, I say this to everybody, all these people that talk their smack, I'm like, uh, you have no idea the horror that you'll see someday in your life, and that's why I, I'm, with my son, he still likes horror movies, my wife the same way, and I'm like, you guys don't understand, you, you watch this garbage, and it, it will build up in you. You just, there's not, it's just not, I don't think it's good for the psyche. It wasn't good for mine. And I was seeing it in reality. It's, it's also funny. I, if I'm watching the movie that's bloody and gory and stuff, I'll wince. You know, somebody gets cut or something, I'll be like, ow. Because I'm imagining, ow, that would hurt. You know, sympathetic pain, I guess you would call it. I'm like, ugh. And, uh, but if it happens to me and the person, you know, I deal with it. So it's a whole lot different. But with that being said, folks. Thank you guys for stopping by Kaiser's Castle and eavesdropping to a normal conversation of me and Angel Espino. And it's been a joy talking with you as always, brother. Likewise, my friend. And uh, always a pleasant time here on uh, Talk Radio with Kaiser. That's it. Kaiser's Castle. Mm -hmm. And folks, thank you for sitting on my big orange seat, my big orange couch. Grab yourself a coffee, tea, soda, or adult libation as you're leaving. And I slowly... Raise the drawbridge on your ex. Time to play.